Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Male, female, connection, communication. Why does it have to be so complicated? I mean, that's not the way the story is supposed to go. We all know how the story is supposed to go, right? Boy meets girl. Girl likes boy. Boy takes girl to Outback Steakhouse. Uh, you know, they share a blooming onion. And boy and girl live happily ever after. Uh, but that's not the way most relationships unfold. It's not the way, in fact, most marriages unfold, truth be told. It's a lot harder than that. It's not as simple as it seems. Uh, male-female communication can be complicated, even for couples who've been married a long time, decades even. Anyone here married more than five years? Raise your hand. Wow, give them a hand. That's incredible. More than 10 years? Oh, yeah, okay, good, thank you. Some of you are like 20. You know, that's great. That is awesome. But you know, you know, male-female communication particularly can be an adventure when you've, when you've married a while because you have to do a lot of interpretation. Um, you know, you, got, you know this. Uh, she says, um, uh, I have nothing to wear. What she means is, I have nothing new. <laughs> Husband got, says, I have nothing to wear. What he means is, I have nothing clean. Two of the same sentences mean something completely different. That's an innocent one enough, but you know, in relationships, this is the stuff of everyday life, and it's make or break. Whether it's your, you know, think about this. Imagine the woman fixes a meal for her fiancé or boyfriend or husband, and after dinner she says, that's the worst meal I've ever made. And he says, no, it's not, honey. (laughs) Where is that going to go? You know. And it's like, well, what are you saying? Are you saying I've made thousands of meals worse than this one? Why don't you, you know, okay, mama's boy, why don't you move back to your mama's place and let her feed your fat face? You know, it's just kind of like, but, but what if he was full of goodwill? What if he was trying to honestly encourage her? What if he meant by that, no, honey, you've, you've never made a bad meal. This isn't, this isn't bad, it's really, really good. You see, we get into these tensions, these quarrels, and these fights, these arguments. If you've been in a relationship for any amount of time, you know it doesn't actually just get easier with time. In fact, bam, it can explode like that. Um, it could actually get a lot worse when you have a lifetime of those minor petty misunderstandings kind of mount up. Those same words, right? That's the worst meal I've ever made. No, it's not, honey. You know, same words, different tone. It's interesting. The first year of our lives, we actually interpret everything through the nonverbal. Those of you with babies know they look at your face to try to gauge what you're saying. They get your voice inflection, your tone. That's how we communicate as infants. It's actually said as adults, though, still 80 to 90% of our communication is still nonverbal. And the way we say things, you know, what did you really mean behind what you just said? I'm interpreting at all times. And you understand why conflict is such a common thing with men and, and women. It's complicated. We're always trying to decode and decipher the code. Why is that? Why does that thing kind of happen? I, I mean, whether you're single or married, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I believe one of the reasons is, is that God made us that way. He made us different, male and female. I, I actually love the statement of Jesus in Matthew 19, 14. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And this was a response Jesus actually had to some people who were asking him about what are the grounds for divorce? In other words, they were like, when a, when a relationship is so conflict-ridden that it appears breakup is inevitable, and Jesus says, well, haven't you read? At the beginning, God made them male and female. Dr. Emerson Egerich likens it to the idea that women view the world through a set of pink sunglasses that colors everything they see. They see the world through it. They actually, in fact, some of you guys don't know this, they actually have pink hearing aids through which they hear everything, and they speak through a pink 
megaphone. On the other hand, men wear blue sunglasses. They actually walk around with, with blue hearing aids and, and speak everything through a, a blue megaphone. So, for instance, if that woman is in a group of ten other women and she says, I have nothing to wear, she's speaking that through a pink megaphone, who the other ten women all hear it through their pink hearing aids and they know exactly what she means by that. Oh, I know, honey, I have nothing in my closet either, but we're going to Short Hills Mall. You want to come shopping with us? They know exactly what she's saying. If that guy is speaking to ten guys through his blue megaphone and they're listening through their blue hearing aids and he goes, I don't have anything to wear, they'll say, she ain't doing your laundry either. They know exactly what he means. It's an interesting dynamic. Pink and blue. Not wrong, just different. It's interesting if you look actually through the Bible, it's full of all these descriptions of love and marriage and relationships. Actually, the Bible has a lot to say about it. But you'll find in the book of Ephesians something that I think is literally game-changing. In fact, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians. This is chapter 5. And I want to show you something very simple that I think is truly revolutionary and potentially game-changing when it comes to male-female communication. Um, Ephesians 5 contains the most significant summary on the topic of marriage in all of the Bible. In fact, if you're looking for like wisdom and insight into relationships, the, people always end up at Ephesians 5 because it's the pinnacle. This is like the Bible's greatest treatise on male-female love and commitment. You'll hear like these passages read at weddings and such, but Ephesians 5 concludes with one powerful summary statement that contains in it a distinction that I think is game-changing. It's one verse, in fact, Ephesians 5.33, that's God's final word to humanity on the subject. And what does he say? Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must, what's the word? Respect her husband. The capstone verse and the capstone chapter on the topic of male-female relationships. My father was on his deathbed and, uh, and he summoned me over and said, come over here, Tim, come here. I have something very important to tell you. These are my, these are my final words. Come close, closer, boy. I have something I need to share with you. You and I know that whatever my father had to say is going to be the most important thing he could share. And every word is going to be weighted with meaning and, and significance. It's been said a person's last words have a great, great import. And so in the final words on the subject of marriage, it's as if God is saying to us, come close, every one of you. Lean in. You, my daughter, listen carefully. My son, listen to these words. If you listen, everything will be okay. And what you're going to see here, folks, actually, is a pink and blue issue, a male and female distinction. The Apostle Paul, who penned it, writes it this way. Husbands must love their wives, and the wives must, what? Respect their husbands. And if you ponder that for a moment, you'll notice there's an interesting distinction being made here. You might think of it this way. What Paul's saying is a woman at her deepest core, the deepest value, is she needs to feel unconditional love for who she is at all times. It's as if a woman has an air tank that she's tethered to. And this is like oxygen to her. And, and, and love is her core value. It's her nature to nurture. And she needs this thing to breathe the way it's oxygen. It's her core value. And she needs to breathe from it from her husband. When she breathes in love, she's fulfilled. She's filled up. She's a happy camper. On the other hand, in verse 33, it says, the man also has a deep need, a core value. But it's actually not a tank filled with love. It's actually what? Respect. A little bit different here. But he needs this just as she needs love. It's his oxygen to him. That's his language. And when he's treated with respect, it's an interesting distinction here. Two different needs, twin sides of the same coin. But see, the way this typically works 
is that as the wife is breathing in from her love tank, think of that clip we just looked at from the breakup with Jennifer Aniston. The man comes along, and he doesn't even know what he's doing wrong, but he steps and kinks her air hose. Whoa! And the woman reacts, typically negatively. We got a problem. It's the end of the night. She's overwhelmed by the mess in the kitchen. Can we just, you know, clean this up together? You know, talk about things, you know. And he's just sitting on the couch, just going to veg out, playing video games. The problem is, is he's actually sitting on her air hose, on love. What the, what the, and all of a sudden she's like, would you get off my air hose, you big elephant? Get off the couch. Am I really asking too much here? How old are you, 13? And maybe the, the blue elephant is laying there innocently enough, like, like, what, like what the, but, you know, but, but he'll, and, and, and she'll, she'll bat him over the head with it. And all of a sudden he's like, I was just trying to veg and now I'm bleeding. I got attacked. Mark this, man. When you step on Pink's air hose, when she's cut off from tangible love that she feels she deeply needs, she reacts typically very negatively. Now, on the other hand, ladies, you notice the second part of the verse here. Apparently what blue needs is not spelled L-O-V-E, but R-E-S-P-E-C-T. So just as pink needs to be loved and accepted for who she is apart from how she performs, blue needs to actually be respected for who he is as a man, despite his performance. Men drink in respect. That is words of admiration, praise, affirmation, honor, the way a woman needs unconditional love. And when blue is, 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 is he's taking in air through his air hose and pink comes along, not, not like an elephant, but like a beautiful fawn. And she, she tramples and sits on his air hose. Blue doesn't roll over. He doesn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffocate and die. He reacts. What's your problem? Why are you getting all crazy? Can you give me a dick, please? Jeez Louise, why are you always off my air hose, Bambi? I'm out of here. I'm going to take this, you know, and, and get so, someone to give me the respect I deserve. He gets grumpy and angry and frustrated. And typically, actually, as men, we withdraw when there's conflict. See, when we, our air hoses get stepped on, we react. And women begin actually real, thinking, he doesn't hear me, so I'm going to speak louder through my pink megaphone to a guy who has blue hearing aids, but it's lost in communication. In fact, most of the time, the opposite occurs, right? What a woman intends as an act of, of love can come across very disrespectful to a man. And what a man intends as an expression of innocent affection can come across as unloving to her. And, and this is the crux of the matter. See, a man, no man on earth, this is a little secret, no man on earth is capable of feeling love and affection naturally in his heart towards a woman who he, she, he thinks has contempt for who he is. Or is who's nothing but critical, acutely aware of his shortcomings and wants to change him. It's actually not within his nature. That's not how God wired him. Any more so than a woman finds it possible to respond sexually to a man she feels is harsh and angry and uncaring towards her. It's not within her pink nature. It's not how she's been wired. It's not how God designed her. She can't respond to that. Pink needs to be loved unconditionally apart from how she performs or appears or reacts in exactly the same way. Blue needs to be respected apart from his performance. And if he doesn't see it, he'll withdraw because he finds it impossible to show love without the respect that he needs. And see, the foundational distinction that God's highlighting here in Ephesians 5.33 is in the context of marriage, but it runs much deeper than that. If you are single... You need to understand this. See, a rose is a rose by any name, right? A male is a male, regardless of whatever else you call him. And a female is a female, regardless of what category you put women in. Their essential natures are actually unchanging. And they're set that way, deep within them, by God himself. Pink and blue. Love and respect. Not wrong, just different. And if you're single, you need to understand this orientation if you want to relate well to the opposite sex and actually move a relationship beyond superficial attraction. 
And if you're married, this dynamic, honestly, will be the single most determining factor in whether your marriage actually not just goes a distance, but actually grows and, and blossoms, or if it withers on the vine and winds up in the scrap heap, which now a full 51% of all Christian marriages do. Each of you must love the woman, and the woman must respect the man. Love and respect, simple premise But that distinction can take a lifetime to truly understand. Those of you who uh, are married, you can attest to this. It's like, what would be a a real-life example of, you know, a woman feeling unloved? What would be an illustration of a man feeling disrespected? Let's start with a woman. Suppose it's mid-February. Here we are. She gets on the scale, and she says to my husband, "I, I can't believe it. I can't believe this. All these pounds I put on over the holidays. Thanksgiving, and then it was those Christmas parties, and then the New Year's celebration. I can't, I can't believe this. I feel fat. I feel ugly. I have nothing to wear. Now, here's the deal. Blue is a sensitive guy. He watches Oprah. And so he listens, and he knows this is a trick question. There is no right answer to this. Agree, and he's affirming she's fat. Disagree, he's calling her crazy. So he gets out of there somehow. He's like, is that the phone? I don't know. You know he just kind of doesn't say anything, gets out of there. So next day, Blue walks into the bookstore, innocently by, and right there, oh my gosh, right there in the front window, bestseller, coincidence. The bestseller book of the week. Wow, look at this thing. Dieting for the Christian women. Woman, you know, post-holiday menu, the Weight Watchers edition. That, oh, wow, she was just talking about this. So being solution-oriented... He buys this, and he goes home and hands it to her. And we all make this mistake once, right? And what happens? Suddenly, Cape Canaveral, and he's an astronaut, and it's going up, and as this this rock, she explodes, as this rocket goes up, she's calling back at him. She's like, you men have two brains. One's lost, and the other's looking for it, you know? And she's like, what the? And he's like, you're a, she calls him a brainless and sensitive idiot, and and Blue is literally, he's just like, what, what happened? What's going on? See, when she sees that dieting book, guess what? Her pink hearing aids start, start streaming static. And all of a sudden, that message starts coming in loud and clear. And here's the message. You know what the message is? I do not accept you. I do not approve of you. I do not feel affection for you unless you look like Jessica Simpson. Enjoy. Guys, that's what she hears. That's what she feels deep inside. And that's why she goes ballistic. She she begins to feel, yeah, I get it. You don't love me unless... You don't love me if. You'll only love me if I perform or look a certain way or meet your impossible criteria. That's what she hears. And she's going to react negatively, guys, because you are stepping on her air hose. And when she feels unloved, the irony is this. She's going to react to you in a very disrespectful way. (laughs) Now, the interesting thing is, of course, if she brought the diet book home for him, right? You know, guys, he'd be like, oh, hey, thanks. What's for dinner? No problem, because it doesn't bother him, because when he looks in the mirror, right, he sees Atlas there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. You don't even know this, ladies. We can bring Atlas out at any time. Right now. When we want. When we want. Yeah. May I suggest to you that body image issues are very different for men and women. You know this. All the research bears this out. We're all concerned about how we look, but I can tell you, right, women are especially sensitive to the appearance issues. Very sensitive. Now, what's even more interesting is if Pink's girlfriend, right, came over with the same book, the same book, 
Yeah. Well, did you get? Did you buy that? Did you get that diet? Is that the best diet? Well, yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm going to try it. You're going to go on the diet? Yeah. Do you want to go on it with me? Yeah. You want to start Monday? Okay. Yeah. Let's do a colonic tonight together. That'd be awesome. When pink speaks through a pink megaphone and it's heard through pink headphones, there's no static. It comes through clear. But when blue starts crossing wires, static. And when pink feels unloved, she reacts, typically negatively, typically in ways that are going to feel very disrespectful to the man because it will sound like criticism. It will sound attacking. He will feel it being accusatory. And all the time is pink's just trying to send actually a very important message in pink speak, which is, I feel undesirable right now. But because of the tone and the emotion and the criticism embedded in it, Blue misses the deeper cry of her heart, which is, I just, I need you to reassure me to say you love me even when I feel unlovely. But that cry is drowned out because the message, the only message Blue hears is this, you idiot. You were insensitive. You should have known better. Now look what you did. That's what he hears, loaded with disrespect for his innocent efforts to help. And it comes across as, I don't respect you any farther than I can throw you. Whoa. How in the world do you make a relationship progress beyond that, beyond pink and blue? That's a stalemate. How do you find a way forward through that dynamic? The answer is that most people don't. In fact, that's why many dating relationships never make it to the altar, and the ones that do often end up in opposite corners of the ring. (laughs) Pink and blue may still sleep in the same bed, but they can actually be miles apart on the inside. Haven't you heard? God, at the beginning, created them male and female. Not wrong, just different. And pink needs unqualified love like she needs air. And blue needs unconditional respect for who he is as a man, like oxygen itself. Male and female, love and respect. Not bad, just different. Want to imagine a couple of weeks pass, and now she runs by that bookstore, and she sees on the front shelf this book, Moments Together. Mending your marriage God's way, the key to communication. And, and she takes that thing back and she's like, oh my gosh. And as she opens it, she's like, this is us. This is totally us. And, and, she, and she, brings, she, she brings it home. And that night she devours the whole thing. She reads it cover to cover, thinking the whole time, oh, he has got to read this. He has got to read this. But he's, he's busy. You know, he's got his little video games. So she, she says, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll highlight the parts in yellow. And so she starts highlighting, you know, the parts that she thinks he ought to read there and kind of getting them on there. And suddenly she's like, she needs another highlight. She's like, I'll just, you know, won't highlight the parts. I don't think are important. And, uh, and when she's done, when she's done, she doesn't want to be obvious about it. So she goes in where he watches football and puts it on the table next to the chair that he typically sits in. You know, I don't want to be subtle, you know, because he doesn't always pick up on these things. Here's a secret. Oh, he picks up on it. He's just ignoring you. (laughs) He walks in, he goes, here we go again. This is the third marriage book this year that she has lovingly put on this table. He doesn't say any of this. He's just thinking all this inside. But he sits down and he white knuckles his remote because his blue hearing aids start crackling and he's like, there's no way I am touching that thing. First two books got us in major fights. First book, I said something, got me in trouble. Second book, didn't say anything, still got in trouble. But not saying anything got me in less trouble. So he stonewalls her. Sits there without saying a word, just ignoring what she feels is like just an attempt to connect with him and pretends not to even notice. Why? Not because he doesn't notice, but because in his world, through his blue earphones, he hears the message coming through very loud and clear, ladies, which is this. I don't accept you. 
You're blowing it, actually, as a husband. You're falling short. I don't approve of you. I don't admire you as a man unless you change right now. And I can do it. <laughs> That's what he hears. The pink not only disapproves of his performance, but, he, but she's out to change him because she doesn't like the core of who he is. Now, look, I'm not justifying that. They can both be completely wrong. He may not be saying anything close to, I don't love you unless you look a certain way. She may not be saying anything close to, I don't respect you unless you do this. But see, there's a tendency in the nature of women to interpret diet books as threatening to pink, just as there's a tendency in the nature of husbands to see marriage books as critical of blue. He does not experience this as an attempt of increasing love. He doesn't hear it that way. Rather, he simply sees this as another reminder of the way he's falling short as a man, one more situation that's dissatisfied with, and she wants to highlight it, so she's underlining it for me. One more situation where I'm going to lose respect. One feels lack of love. Other feels lack of respect. And no one understands why both suddenly you're not the person I thought you were. Because you seem like you love pushing my buttons. What's really interesting is that, of course, if he, he brought the marriage book home to her, right? You, you know how, what would happen? What would her response be? You, you, you got this for me? For us? You, 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 what, you want to read it together? We could sit on the couch tonight. You, want, you, you could put your head in my lap. We could read it aloud to one another. And then she's going to be on the phone to all her girlfriends telling them, yeah, he brought home a marriage book. Yeah, he brought the bookstore. Yeah, yeah, actually, we're going to read it tonight. Well, we're connected. Yeah, we're one. We're soulmates. It's <laughs> awesome. Why doesn't she get all bent out of shape? Because she interprets a marriage book through another color, another set of lenses. They're simply called female. You care about our relationship. You're making an effort to connect here. And she, he doesn't get cranked about, about the diet book, but about the marriage, because he sees it through another one known as male. Two different natures, male and female. Not wrong, just what? Different. Now look, I know we're using examples from marriage here. With single people, you've got to pay attention and track with this if you're going to nurture relationships that go beyond casual dating. Because there's a divine dynamic, excuse me, a little dynamic here that God is like revealing to all of us, single or married, single again, whatever. You've got another shot, but you've got to learn something important here. And the paradox of the love and respect connection is that when a man doesn't feel respected, he typically withdraws. He steps away. Because he actually wants to do the noble thing. He's not going to get in a fight with a woman, right? If it was another man, maybe, but not with her. Which a woman interprets as hostile. What? He doesn't even care enough to even say anything. I mean, he, this, there's an elephant in the room. We've clearly got an issue. And he's pretending it's not even there. He doesn't care. He doesn't value. He doesn't love me enough to even engage. And from a female perspective, that's unthinkable. Because she wants to connect, she wants to be intimate. Even if it's awkward, who cares? But when he withdraws, she sees that as unloving, hostile, angry. And when she feels unloved, guess how she reacts? Most often in ways that men feel are hugely disrespectful. I mean, ladies, you know this. What happens when you can't get his attention with a subtle hint? You spell it out for him. You've got to confront the issue. Snap, I am so mad at you. Why, why haven't you said anything about this book? It sat here for three days. I, I, went to start, I even wrote a note inside. You haven't even probably seen the note. Did you even see what I wrote you? Huh? You haven't said a word. I bet if you lost that remote, you'd notice. If I hit it, you'd be searching all over for it. Because you care more about the TV than you do our marriage. Thank you very much. Now, not only do I feel attacked and criticized, you just assassinated my character. I love electronics more than you. Did you, did, you, did you see the book I got you? Yeah, I saw the book. 
And what happens, folks, is that this ignites a cycle, a cycle that Dr. Egerich calls the crazy cycle. And uh, it's a spinning wheel that you can picture this way, almost like a, a clock at 12. It says, actually, without love, she automatically reacts without respect. And then without respect, he reacts without love. And because there's no love, she reacts without respect. And then he reacts without love. And round and round it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows. In most marriages, they spin around and spin around. The pressure builds. It's around and around. And why can't we ever get out of this? The topics change. The dynamic never changes. And all of a sudden, the relationship, boom, implodes. And no one knows why. What? How, how did this happen? The heart can only be trampled so many times. All the air, the divine nutrients that God ordained to breathe life into a relationship get sucked out of it. The crazy cycle. This is what Dr. Emerson Egerich calls it. I've actually referenced Dr. Egerich a couple times now. I need to give him full credit for, for this message, for pioneering this love and respect connection that is based here in Ephesians 5.33. This is interesting. Egerich was actually a pastor of a Christian church, and for many years he counseled couples who seemed to just be caught over and over in the same destructive conflicts. They'd pray, they'd try harder, they'd you know, go take a conference or something. But the subject or the circumstances would change, but the cycle remained the same, just spun around and around, and no one knew how to get off. And as he studied scripture, particularly Ephesians 5, he noticed this critical distinction here in verse 33, that the deepest needs of a man and a woman are not the same. They're as different as pink and blue. And he actually left a pastor to pursue a PhD in, in family studies, and he gave himself full time to, respect, to fleshing out this love and respect message, and he actually <laughs> wrote the book on it. <laughs> Literally, it's called Love and Respect. That's where these words, this principle of the crazy cycle are from. We actually ordered a bunch of copies of this, of this for the series. They're out at the Welcome Center. So if you want to you know, dive into that and, and read deeper, you, you pick it up at the Welcome Center after. But the dirty little secret, folks, is that the Beatles lied. All you need is... That's a lie. Not according to Scripture. Love is all you need? Wrong. According to Scripture, each of you must love his wife. And the, and the woman must what? Respect her husband. Two pillars of any relationship that can actually take a lifetime to understand. But they're the only thing, folks, that can stop that crazy cycle from spinning in a relationship that seems stuck or headed for divorce or even just flatlined. Some of you married folks, maybe you're some miles into the journey and you've been wondering, honestly, this whole time. Everyone does at some point. You don't say it out loud, but you think, is this as good as it gets? Anyone who's in a long-term relationship wonders that at some point. It's actually very natural. And as I've been talking about this, maybe you've, you've, you've been like, that is, that is exactly us. That, that is holy smokes. Are you saying there's something more? That, 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 that marriage isn't just a disappointment? It's not. But it takes work. It takes understanding. It takes learning an entirely new language. It's like language acquisition. And you know our language capacity goes down as we get older. <laughs> And you'll actually need to defer to God's design for male and female, for, for pink and blue, if you're actually going to do relationships God's way. My wife, Colleen, and I, we will celebrate our 10th anniversary this July. <laughs> Job, sweetheart. Yay for us. Okay. <laughs> but there have been times this year where we wondered if we're honestly going to make it. Honestly, this has, you take two naturally strong-willed, good-willed people, not evil-willed, but, but, but strong-willed people, you add a couple of kids to the mix, one a high-energy, strong-willed boy who takes after his mother, and you, 
and you launch a church in the middle of that thing and just have things kind of mushroom and, and all the basics of stresses of life and you filter them through pink and blue and guess what? You're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. And this year we like hit our max as husband and wife. It has been excruciatingly tough. We have gone through that spin cycle over and over. We did it again earlier this month, right, sweet? <laughs> We're actually talking about this last week. We had a chance to get away for a couple of days. And as we looked at things through this lens of love and respect, it's like this light bulb went on. Because the dynamic revealed here in, in Ephesians 5.33, without love, she reacts without respect. And then when I don't feel respect, he reacts without love. We've seen this one up close. One of our flashpoints actually occurred around Colleen's 35th birthday. Um, need to tell you, I'm not a big birthday guy. That's not like my thing. I kind of like, just kind of ignore those things. But Colleen is a huge birthday person. Loves surprises, loves parties, loves the presents. That's actually one of the things that like attracted me to her, right? And, and, and of course, now that we're married, I'm just like, oh, knock it off with that stuff. But it's part of, it's part of her love language, making a big deal out of birthdays. Why? Because it's her nature to nurture. Okay. And she hinted that she might, you know, her 35th is coming. And I've missed enough here, okay, to realize like I should probably make a big deal about this. So I was like, hey, this October, 35, what do you, you know, what do you think? You want to do something special? She's like, really? She's, uh, I was like, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think? What if we all go out to dinner with all of our friends? What if we have them all out? And she actually had been thinking about it. And uh, I was like, that would actually be, be really nice. And I appreciate that because, men, we thrive on information. We don't like having to guess what to do. So we talked about it, and we're like, yeah, we could throw like a little party, a dinner party, like go to a restaurant, rent out like a nice room. And she was like, you know, maybe just invite a, 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 few, a few couples, you know, just a few people who we're like kind of doing life with. She goes, I don't want presents. Just having all our friends together would be enough. So that sounded nice. I make some calls and, uh, and getting prices, and then I start doing the math. And, uh, and I asked her, I said, hon, I go, everything's, you know, I, I can put this together, but do you think everyone can afford this? And she said, well, I don't want anyone to pay. We're inviting them to the party. We pay. I said, I see. <laughs> and I swallowed hard, didn't let her see. And, and we kind of went back and forth, and, and I'm like, uh, sweetheart, just, you know, just, you know, so you know. Nobody does that! Are you, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think a lot of people do that. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, no, 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 I, I don't even want presents. I, I, just, I just want our friends around. They don't even have to worry about it. It's our gift to them. And I am like, it is your birthday, and it's our gift to them. And she's like, look, this is what I pleased him. You know, I just, I don't want anything else. Even if it's like one other couple. I just don't want them to feel obligated or awkward. I just want them to enjoy dinner out with us. So I started realizing this was important to her. You know, it's her birthday. It's all about her. So I finally surrender. Okay, now, I went with it. I made reservations. I, I have to say, I actually went to this restaurant, met the manager, and said, I really want to have this kind of have a wow factor. It's a special thing for my wife. She's a special woman. And she really does deserve something special. And, um, and so he says, oh, let me show you. And he took us to this wine room. They have a wine room that's even not in the main room. And it's like all brick and everything. And the walls are covered with these bins, you know, that are behind glass. And there's a fireplace there. And it's just the kind of like special room for like an intimate dinner that would like, wow, this would have a wow factor. And so I was like, all right, we're going to do it. I, I did the, set up the whole thing. Pick the menu. Pick some wine to have at the table. Kyle was like, oh, it'd be nice to have some wine. It's romantic. And uh, I got the whole thing arranged. And as the day got closer, you know, she tried to pry a little bit. You know, what's going to happen? I was like, hey, just, you'll be surprised. You just, you know. And, and she goes, okay, that's fine. She said, now, can I, sweet, just promise me one thing? I was like, yeah. <laughs> she goes, I want everything to be taken care of. I, I want this to be our treat. I don't want anyone paying. I got it. I, I got it. <laughs> so the week before the big event, I'm talking with some of the other couples. I'm telling them actually... You know, like what time to arrive and stuff. And a couple of the husbands 
say to me, dude, is, it, is, this, is this a pricey place? And I was like, no, don't worry about it. We're, I'm taking care of the bill. And they're like, no way, dude. That's, that's, that's like way too much. And I like, I know, I know, I know, but it's kind of important to Colleen and everything. But they kept pushing because they're like, well, let us pay for like, you know, the wine or something. You, you can't shoulder that alone, which, you know, you guys, you know, you can like appreciate that. You don't want to feel like, you know, you're not pulling your weight or something. And, and I actually appreciated the gesture. I felt like, hey, my buddies are looking out for me. So her 35th arrives and, and I cut out of work early and you got to understand some, this is a stretch for me. I'm not good at coordination or advanced planning or any of this, but I arrive early. I check the seating. I double check with a major D tent, bring me the bill afterwards and, you know, get, get a couple bottles of, of wine open and our friends arrived and guess what? It was awesome. It, it, we had a great time. Uh, Colleen got there. It was perfect. She was, she was surprised that the wine room had like a wow factor. She felt cherished. She actually, at the middle of the night, she, she goes, this is amazing. Thank you for making this so special. She really, you know, was touched. And she's a special woman. And it was like, it was a, a neat thing. And, and we had a, 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 an unbelievable time until the bill arrived. <laughs> because at the very end, the bill arrives. And, and I knew this would be a sensitive error. And I remembered her words, right? Tim, see, please just promise me one thing. I want everything to be taken care of. I don't want anyone else feeling awkward or paying. So I arranged to take care of the bill privately with the maitre d', and so he comes over and he's like, "Do you?" I go, "Take it over here." And so I go over here, and, and I will never forget this because as everyone is getting their coats on, I will never forget this. I've got the bill and I'm checking the math, and I'm like, hey, "All for love," and you know, I'm doing the math. When, the, when my buddies, the guys, walk up to me, and one's like, "Dude, dude, let us let us, let us chip in for the wine," you know, kind of like we discussed, you know. And I was like, "No, no, dude, thanks. That, that's all right." And I was like, "Dude, come on!" And he rips the bill out of my hand, and he's taller than me. And so I'm like, dude, just, just give me, just, dude, come on, just give me. He's like, oh, come on, man, come on, like we talked about, you know? And I was like, no, dude, come on. And this is the moment when all the women were putting on their coats, and all of a sudden it turned into a $6 million man episode, slow motion. Because she's, my wife is putting her arm in her coat, arm in her coat, and all of a sudden, da 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 And she sees him standing there with the bill like this, and me going, dude, and him going, come on, like we talked about. We'll pay, we'll pay, man. Like we arranged. We got a plan. And I'm I'm like... You are making this really hard for me, you know? And, and, I, and I grab the bill back, you know, I grab the bill and I, I go over to Colleen and she's with her, her girlfriends and she sees like there's a little hubbub. And I just go, sweet, I go, I'm paying for the bill. The, the guy's just, and she goes, uh huh, I see, I'll see in the car. And, um, <laughs> and my, my face drained. Um, and I walk back, I sell up for all the food. And, and of course, you know, the guys are like, ooh, you in trouble, dude. That's like, and I looked at Colleen, and I'll never forget that because she was standing there in the corner. It's like this. You know this one? <laughs> I know that one. And um, did, I, did I feel respect? Try, um, try let's see, red, <laughs> hot, <laughs> shame. Blanketed in it. My friends actually did end up paying for the wine, which I admit I did appreciate. Um, <laughs> But I couldn't feel anything other than shame and steam just coming off me. So we get out to the parking lot and we're like, hey, thanks for coming. Oh, no, I had a great time. Awesome. We'll see you in church on Sunday. Slam. We're not even, we won't even lock eyes. I'm so mad. We drive home in complete silence. And actually, she was not upset. I was actually, I couldn't even explain it was happening inside. But she goes, what, 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 what's wrong? What's the matter with you? I was so mad I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I was like, nothing. We drive home in silence. You've done this one. So we, so we get home, you know, shoes off, you know, coats on the floor, shoes off. Good night. Good night. You know, get in, get into bed, and, you know, I get covers up. I'm like, and she, you know, starts putting the stuff on on the face in the bathroom, all that. Lights are out when she comes in, but it's her, her nature to keep our relationship up to date. So she sees something's wrong because that's how pink does it. She, it's her nature to nature. So she, she says, she says, what's, what's going on? 
What, what, what is, what's happening? And I just, and I just, I just go, I get, I, you know. What do you mean I know? I don't, I don't, is this about the book? I guess it's never good enough, right? And she's like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know what, exactly what I'm talking about. I, I saw you talking with your, the girls about the bill. I got the message. I'm a cheapskate. I, I guess it wasn't enough that I like took off work and arranged this entire party. I go the extra mile. I get this special room. None of it's enough because I didn't pay for the wine. And she says, hi, I, I, I just told you, you know, I asked for one thing. Please make sure the bill is taken care of. Which, by the way, in Pink's world translates this way. Please make sure I am taken care of. I don't want any of my friends to feel awkward. And, and to her credit, she tried to define that for me. But she said, look, sweet, it's not a big deal. I'm disappointed. I just wish people didn't feel awkward at the party. See, Pink's core value is love. She, she wants others to feel cared for and valued. But the more she spoke, like the anger I got, because I heard that as just criticism for who I was. Disappointment for my attempts to try to do the right thing. Disregard for everything I had planned. Pretty much disgust for how I came through as a man. That's how Blue hears it. That's how Blue feels it. And I felt ashamed and exposed in front of her friends like I'd come up short and Colleen was putting it in, you know, Broadway lights for everyone. I felt basically disrespect. And it turns out, of course, she was not even telling her girlfriends, but it didn't even matter. So you know what I did? When she reacts without respect, he reacts without love. So your pastor pulls up the covers and on his beloved's 35th says, well, happy friggin' birthday. How's that feel? To have your air hose stepped on. You know, you know this. And, you know, in that moment, I even knew it wasn't right, but I was so PO'd, I like, couldn't even pray. I just laid there like, thinking, like, oh, God. You know, like, what would Jesus do in this situation? I'm like, this, this is not even relevant. Like, Jesus would have ordered tap water for the whole table and turned it into wine. You know? I was like, I don't even... I don't even this is irrelevant. And... And, and, and we lay there in silence in the dark, you know, and, and it's like she, she knew something was wrong. And so, of course, she doesn't let it go because that's Pink's nature when there's an issue. She wants to talk about it because that's her nature to preserve relationships, keep no debts outstanding, which actually, by the way, you understand, that feels like provocation to Blue. Like you were looking for a fight. And, uh, and that's it. I, 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 she, she actually said to me, she says, look, if you don't want an issue, why don't you just take care of the bill beforehand? Like I said, and I was like, that is it. Grab my pillow off to the guest room, slam the door. And she goes, you're just going to walk away. Darn right. Slam. Catch this. Two goodwilled people, two people with the spirit of Christ supposedly in their hearts on what would have and should have been the joyous celebration, go to bed seething, seeing red on the brink of divorce. I might have signed the papers, are they there? But Pink can't let that drop, so she follows me into the guest room. Look, all I asked for <laughs> is I just want them to feel awkward. Now, you got to understand how this works, ladies, with a guy. If there's a conflict and Blue walks away mad, he's actually trying to do the noble thing. I'm trying not to react. But the person who perceived to be attacking you, let me tell you how that hap- works in a man's world. If, another, if that's another guy... Well, then the guy walks, he goes, dude, back off, step up. And he follows him, guess what's going to happen? He's going to get clocked in the nose. That's blue world, okay? Because he's withdrawing, that's a noble thing. But when you follow him and don't give him the space because it's so painful when he stonewalls you, it actually grinds his gears. And we had it out. On my betrothed's 35th birthday, a spectacular row lasted until 2 a.m. Happy birthday, indeed. Why? Because she experienced a lack of what she needs most to know that she will be cared for and taken care of no matter what. Lack of love. 
because I felt a very acute lack of respect. And when I feel disrespected, I react without love, and I withdraw into silence, which she rightly interprets as hostility. And, and when a woman feels that hostility, she reacts without respect, withholds appreciation or gratitude. And that cloud hung over us for a week. 24 hours went by, and you know, of course, you know, short accounts. I wake up the next day, I was like, well, that was horrible, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, you know, no guy wants to rehearse the failures. I don't want to talk about this. I'm like, you know, I'm mature here. Uh, you know, let's move on. Yeah, I see you nodding. Thank you. And uh, I'm like, you know, by that time night, I was just like, this is not right. I don't want to harbor a grudge. We should reestablish, you know, connection there. So, um, so you know, man world, I mean, what would be the best way to reestablish, you know, intimacy? So, yeah, yeah, we get into bed that night and I make my move, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, let by, bygones be bygones, you know, kind of thing there. And she, she, you know what her response was? It was like... <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. oh, oh, this is over. Oh, we've moved fast? Okay, right. Like, th- this is it? Back to normal now? And I'm like, why do you want to keep bringing this up? That's when Bluefields packs it in. And, and she gives me, you know, and, and so I'm like, come on, just, you know. And she, like, gives me the Heisman, you know, like, stiff arm. And that's why I'm just like, you know, why bother? Why bother? <laughs> and the day's following, she kept bringing it up. <laughs> Because one of our highest values is when there's a problem, we got to get that things back to normal. We don't harbor grudges and we don't... It just feels the blue getting picked on. Let it drop. That cycle went on and on for three months. It would go underground. It would keep simmering and eventually just come up with different topics. And that unresolved hurt festered and it took its toll. Because we denied each other the thing we needed most vitally. For her, it was to be taken care of no matter what. It's called unconditional love. Even when there's a crisis or a problem and she wigs out, that I will still love her and not stonewall. And for me to feel like I actually appreciated for my attempts to take care of her. Unconditional respect. Even when I miss the target, she highlights the good. <laughs> so we spent several months choking each other's air hoses until we finally let go and sought help. That was October 2006. It took almost a full year until we were even able to speak of it and, and, and address it, unpack it in counseling. That's how painful it was. That's how disrespected I felt, how confused Kyle felt, how wounded we both actually were. But looking back, when I look back at that, we're talking about this. We're like, when we look back on that through the lenses of pink and blue of love and respect, it like seems so obvious to us now. When I, when I didn't take care of the bill, like I promised, Colleen felt like I wasn't taking care of her. And when she shot me that look of disapproval, I felt like she was calling me cheap. Cheapskate, neon lights for all your friends to see. That she'd taken for granted all I planned and in gratitude and all my failures highlighted. See, folks, people, people are divorcing over stuff like this. Understand this? Every day. Because the situations and the topics change. But the cycle just keeps going round and round. And after it's over, people look back out, you know, on the marriage and they say, well, we had a great marriage, but then, then we ran into money problems, actually. Yeah, we were always arguing over money. You know, she felt like I was cheap or controlling, or he felt like I was always spending too much. I guess it was money that took us apart, yeah. Or, or, or we, we could have made it, but then we ran into sexual issues, you know. She was always rejecting me. She's the gatekeeper. Or it got so bad, we were sleeping in separate beds by the end. It's a shame, but, you know, what are you going to do? And Ephesians 5.33 lets us in on a little secret. The surface issue is never the issue. The core issue in 99% of relationships is an unloving or disrespectful attitude from the man or the woman or both. 
In fact, whenever there's a conflict, we usually ask, well, who started it? You know what the answer is? Yes. Love and respect. These are the twin keys of any growing relationship, whether you are dating or engaged or newlyweds or starting over. That's why God, he puts like an exclamation point on verse 33, which is summed up in these words. Let's read it together. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You work that command into your relationship. It won't just survive. It actually will thrive. Things can change. Things will change. God has the power to do that. Ladies, have you ever tried on a pair of blue glasses? Have you? If you are going to understand men and love them well, how they were designed by God to be loved, you will need a crash course in respect. And it is more complicated than you think. Men, do you know what it's like to think pink? <laughs> Loving a woman well will require a lot more than an occasional box of candy or flowers. Think about that this week on Thursday you will need to learn how to step over a lot and actually lean into conflict and hear the deeper cry of the feminine heart that is behind every critique. That's what this whole series is about. Today was an introduction, and I hope you can sense we're going to dive into some real-life issues. We're going to get real nitty-gritty about it and uh, what women and men both want and what they need, how God designed them. Not bad, just what? Different. And it's my prayer, honestly that this month, in the, in the weeks to come, that God is going to do more through in, in this, radical things through this series to adjust so, some attitudes and maybe actually foster a healthier dating environment in our church and breathe hope into you couples who are struggling and literally resurrect and repair and heal some marriages because God has the power to do that. He made you. He knows what you need. And he designed you to connect. But we need to understand how to show unconditional love, man, even when she says things that drive us away. And ladies, you need to understand what, what does that even mean? Unconditional respect? In fact, we're going to get into that next week, women, because some of you are asking, well, that's fine, but what if a man isn't worthy of respect? Right? Some of you are thinking that right now. Because respect is earned. What if he doesn't do anything that earns my respect? That's, a, that's actually a, a good question, but are you sure it's the right one? Are you sure? Are you certain? You are deciphering the code and viewing the right set of lenses. To that situation. I guess you'll have to come back and find out. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. You made us. You made us male and female. And Father, we glory in it. There's been a lot of misunderstanding. But Lord, you did build us for something more, not just frustration or hurt or rejection, God, um, but to, to, to connect the deepest places within us. And we just thank you for that, Father. That's an incredible thing. We know that you are a God of relationship. You exist in community, and you want that intimacy for us. It's a gift to enjoy, Father, and and we wither without it. So I pray, God, even now today, beginning in this service, Lord, this month, you would do just that, God, that you're going to breathe your spirit and life into relationships that are flatlined, that you're going to bring hope, Lord, to singles who feel frustrated, God, that you are actually going to plow through obstacles and, and dead ends that we feel we can't get over. We need you. So teach us by your word, Father. Humble us with your spirit and lead us into your truth, into life itself. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Everyone said, amen.